Are you in search of a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and a better understanding of the basic truths of Christian faith? If so, please join us for Simple Secrets of the Kingdom, a series of Bible studies developed by Reverend James Otterness and taught by Skip Hedgepeth, board member of Good News Ministries and Bible teacher at Christ Church in Midland, Texas. Hi, I'm Skip Hedgepeth and welcome to Simple Secrets of the Kingdom. This study today is one of my favorite studies in the whole series of 26 studies because uh, it's a study about the battle that goes on inside of every believer. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to explain that battle to you right now, but you'll see it as, we, as it unfolds, the study unfolds in the scripture today. We're going to be in Romans chapter 7, and uh, this is where the Apostle Paul describes this phenomenon that goes on in the life of every Christian. And as always, before we uh, get into the Word of God, let's go to God Himself in prayer. Father, thank You for today, again, for another time to be together and study Your Word. Lord, I pray for, uh, for all who are listening today to the program that, uh, that they might be drawn to You through the study, Lord. That's why we're here, so that we might know You and the power of Your resurrection. And so speak to us through Your Word and guide us into the truth today. And help us, Lord, to be the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. And so the study uh, title for the study today is called The Battle Inside of Yourself. And we're going to be in Romans chapter 7. And I'm going to read, first of all, Romans uh, 7, verse 1. One verse. Did you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding only on a person during life? And so he starts out with a question. And the question is very simply, did you not know that the law is only binding during life? And so that makes sense if you think about it, because if you uh, look at it this way, if you have a bunch of traffic tickets and you are today, for whatever reason, you're called home to be with Jesus, then you're free from paying those traffic tickets. You're only under the law that says you have to pay them as long as you're living. And as long as you're living, the law will probably come and get you if you don't pay those. But once, uh, as but as long as when you come to the point, sorry, when you come to the point where you're no longer living, then the law has no binding effect on you any longer. Uh, and so uh, uh, there's no taxes for us after death. Uh, you know, the only sure things in life are death and taxes. But you know, once once you pass through death. There's no more death for you, and there's no more taxes either, because those kind of laws are only binding on the living. And so let's see what else the Apostle Paul has to say here, and we'll read verses 2 and 3. Thus, a married woman is bound by law to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is discharged from the law concerning the husband. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. And so he takes that point about the law being only binding during life. And what he does is come up with an illustration. And he uses marriage as an illustration. He says a married woman is bound by law as long as her husband lives. And if her husband dies, she's discharged from the law. And uh, she's free to marry another then. And so when we... When we uh, say our marriage vows, and this is what I did when I said my marriage vow, I promised to love my wife till when? Till death do us part. Uh, after death, then there's no more marriage, and you're freed 
from the, uh, from the bonds, from the, from the contract of marriage that you entered into. Uh, and so uh, that's his illustration. So once, once if, you're, if, you're, uh, if a woman's husband passes away, then she's freed from the legal obligations of marriage and free to marry another one. If she does it before, if she goes off and marries another person, but while she's still married, then that causes all kinds of problems. And, um, and the Apostle Paul talks about those too. But uh, the point here is that the law is only binding during life. It's not binding after death. So let's move on and get verses 4 through 6 now, and we'll see where he's going with this train of thought. Likewise, my brethren, you have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. While we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are discharged from the law, dead to that which held us captive, so that we serve not under the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. So he, here he says to take, that, uh, to take the story even a step further, uh, you're only bound by the law uh, as long as you live, then he's saying here that in Christ you died to the law. And so you, your old self was buried with Jesus in baptism. When you came to Jesus through faith and were baptized, then he says, the old has passed away, the new has come. You're free from the law as a way of earning your salvation before God. Uh, it's uh, through faith we receive the grace of God, and we live by grace. And, and as we live by the grace of God, we aren't held accountable to, to living a life of perfection other, under the law in order for God to love us. And that's really good news because uh, you and I can't be perfect under the law. There's no way we can ever measure up to God by doing the things that the Ten Commandments say for us to do. And we'll, we're going to develop that more as this study progresses. But um, you have died, uh, he says, through faith in Jesus. You have died through the law, through the body of Christ. Now you belong to another. And he says, we are discharged from the law, dead to that which held us captive, so that we serve not under the written code, but under the new life of the Spirit. And so I love this word that he uses here, discharge. It's like, uh, like people who are in the military service. And once when you're in the service, those of you who've been in the service know exactly what I'm talking about. When you're in the service, they tell you where to go. They tell you where to be. They tell you what to wear, how to act. And, uh, and so there are all these rules and regulations that you live under, a code that you live under. Uh, but once you're discharged from, uh, from the service, then the people that you used to have to salute and uh, snap to when they walk by, you don't have to anymore. You're free from that. And so when you're discharged from the law, uh, you no longer have to live under the the guilt and shame of not measuring up to who God wants you to be. Because through faith in Jesus, uh, you're forgiven. And it's through faith that we live now. We live by faith in Jesus and under the grace of God so that it's through His power 
and His forgiveness that we become pleasing to God. Not un it's not through what we do, which would be under the law, but it's what through Jesus does in us. And so we're free from that, way, from that old way to live the new way of life in the Spirit. Not a life of condemnation, but a life of forgiveness and grace and mercy. And um, this is, the, this is the, the Christian life that comes through faith in Jesus. So uh, now let's look at uh, Romans 7, verse 7. What shall we say then? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I should not have known sin. And so his point here is, is that, so if you're freed from the law which held you captive, uh, then is the law bad? Is the law the problem? Well, he says, by no means. In other words, no way. No way. The law's not bad. The law is good. And if it wasn't for the law, I wouldn't know what sin is. Uh, the law is, is good in showing us what sin is. It's good in showing us the things that, uh, that God wants us to do and wants us to not do. It's good also in showing us the problems that we have. But what it's not good for is changing our behavior. The law has no power in and of itself to change us into the people God wants us to be. All it can do is show us. And so uh, the law itself promises life, but at the same time, it only brings death because uh, it shows us who we are, shows us our problem, shows, shows us that we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but it does nothing to help us live the life of faith in God. It's, uh, it's kind of like... Um, uh, a diagnostic tool, you know? Uh, it can show us a problem, but it doesn't bring any healing. Uh, but the law is good for what God intended it for. But he never intended it for it to be a way for us to heal ourselves so that we could be right with him. Let's get a little bit more and see where Paul is taking us here. Uh, Romans 7 and I'm going to read uh, uh, a little bit of verse 7 and then all the way through 12. He says, I should not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, finding the opportunity and the commandment, wrought in me all kinds of covetous desires. Apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. The very commandment which, which promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, finding the opportunity in the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. So the law is holy, the commandment is holy, and just and good. And so he starts out with an illustration. He talks about the law of coveting. And he says that uh, he wouldn't have known what it meant to covet until the law came and said, uh, you shall not covet. And then what happened was, when he heard uh, that you shall not covet, the commandment came and sin revived in him. Sin that had been lying dead revived in him and he died. And so it promised life, but it only brought death. So the illustration looks like this. Uh, Paul says, I didn't know what it was to covet, but then the law came and said, you shall not covet. All of a sudden, Paul found himself coveting because the law said not to. 
So his sinful nature, which was aroused by the law, all of a sudden brought every covetous desire uh, uh, to life in him. And I can compare this to a story in my own life. When I was a little boy, my dad had a welding shop right outside of our house. And one day I was playing out in the driveway and dad was welding. And, you know, one of the rules when uh, uh, you live around a welder, you, you learn don't watch that arc. You know, don't look at this flame while I'm welding. And so I learned not to do that. But one day while he was welding on a boat trailer, uh, he just finished and I walked up to see what he was doing. And, and, and he said, Skip, whatever you do, do not touch this piece of metal. I'm going in the house to get a drink of water. And so he took his welding hood off and he went into the house. And you know, I had never, it never crossed my mind not to touch that piece of metal or to touch that piece of metal. But I looked down in it and it was kind of orange still from the, uh, uh, from the bead that he had run on it. And all of a sudden there was like this irresistible force at work in my mind drawing me to touch this piece of metal. And lo and behold, I looked at it, I reached out, I could feel it hot, but I thought, you know, it doesn't seem that hot. Then I reached down and touched it, and it just burned the fire out of me. And, you know, I hadn't thought about not touching the, or touching the metal but until my dad said, don't touch it. And it's like the law and with the Apostle Paul and coveting. The law of do not touch this all of a sudden aroused this desire in my flesh. And before I knew it, I touched it. So you see, the problem is not the law. The problem is this sinful nature that lies within us. And the law is holy. The commandment is holy and just and good. The problem is not the good law. The problem is me. And the problem is in you. And so uh, let's get some more and see where this story, you can, I can feel this, I hope you can as you listen. This is building up to a crescendo, to a solution. But we have to get more of the problem before we get the answer. And so uh, now we're going to start in verse 13 with a question. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin working death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. So again, is the law the problem? Did the law cause this sin to spring to life in you, or is, did the law bring death to you? By no means. It's sin in you that springs to life, that causes the problem. And what the law is there for is to show us that sin. And what the law does, he says, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, uh, in other words, the law is there to arouse that sinful nature in us and make us alarmed, to show us that there's a big problem in us so that we can take action. And the action then is to draw us to God and to cry out, Lord, help me. Uh, I can't do it. I can't measure up. I remember one night I was teaching a Bible study and there was a man there, he's a friend of mine, and I remember teaching in in the, uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you've heard it say you shall not murder. I tell you, if you even look at a, your brother with anger in your heart, you've committed murder. And so this friend of mine came up to me after it and he says, Skip, this is just too hard. I can't do this. And, and I said, you know, you've got it. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, when you realize that you can't, that's when the power of God is at work in you the most. And 
You say, I can't, Lord, but you can. Help me. Save me. It's, at that, it's like at that moment, he got a glimpse of who he really was through the law. The law was saying, don't do this. And he said, you know, I can't not do that. And I said, that's when you've really got it, when you can't. You see, the law is like an x-ray. The law gives you a picture of a broken, or an x-ray gives you a picture of a broken arm, but there's no power in that x-ray to heal you. Uh, it's like with my friend. That night, as I talked, he got a picture of who he was in his spirit. But he felt powerless. There's nothing I can do to change me. And uh, so the law shows us who we are, but it doesn't give us power. The power comes through Jesus. Uh, the law, it's, it's like a thermometer. Or, uh, it can show you what your temperature is, but it doesn't do anything to lower your temperature. It just gives you a picture of the problem so that you can move and take action uh, to bring healing and help. And you find that healing and help in Jesus as you turn to him. And so then he goes on to say um, that we know that the law is spiritual and good, but that I am, uh, that I am rotten. And so that's in um, verse 14. Sorry. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. And so he's saying here, I know that the law, the law is godly. The law's not the problem. It's me. I am carnal. I am rotten, in other words, in my core, in my sinful being. Uh, the law is good, but I am rotten. The law is from heaven, and I'm earthly, and I need help. And so, uh, let's move on. And, and here is where he really gets into what the problem is and the conflict. And here we're going to just take it verse by verse and talk about it. Uh, we're going to start right at the, the middle of verse 15. He says, I do not do, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. And so what he's saying is, he says, I have good intentions. Uh, I want to carry out the law and what the law says, but I find myself uh, doing the very thing that I hate. It's like I know what's right, but I can't do it. And so I've got in good, good intentions, but you know what the old saying is, is that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Uh, good intentions won't get you right with God. Let's move on. Uh, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. And so he says, if I know the law and I find myself even doing what the law says to not do, I know in my heart that it's not the problem. The law is not the problem. Uh, I don't blame it on the law. Uh, the law is good. It's not the problem. It's me that's the problem. And then now in verse, verse 17, uh, he says this, So then it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Uh, this is a powerful message for you and for me. When you come to faith in Jesus, I've talked about it a little bit before, uh, you have a new self. You have a new, there's a new creation. But there's also this old self in you, this old sinful nature. That's like a stranger that's living inside of you. And who you are when you are a believer is who you are in Christ. That old sinful nature, even though you act out of it at some time, who you are is not that old sinful self. Who you are is your new creation in Christ. 
But there are times when that old nature springs up and uh, it's as though a stranger is living in you. Have you ever had that experience when you go, man, where did that come from in me? Uh, where it comes from is that old sinful nature. He says, it's no longer I that do it, I being my new self, but sin that dwells in me. And then he goes on, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. And so here, what he's saying is that doing what is right is not a matter of your willpower. It's really important that you know that today. Uh, you can will what is right at times and, have, and try to get your willpower and your determination together to do the things of God. And then you'll find yourself doing the very opposite of that. There's this battle that's going on inside of us between our old nature and our new nature. And, uh, and so it's not a matter of willpower. It's not a matter of trying harder. People who don't understand addiction make this mistake all the time. Uh, and they'll say to someone who is, whose life is controlled by drugs or alcohol, it's, well, you need to stop. You need to just say no to drugs and alcohol. And in their heart, they're thinking, well, I'm trying to say no, but I can't. There's a power bigger than me at work inside of me. And that power bigger than them is that old sinful nature. And willpower has never overcome the power of sin in anyone's life. Only Jesus can overcome the power of sin. And so let's keep going. We're in verse 19 now. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. I'll read it in verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Um, and so we left off at verse 20. And again, he's making this point. It's, in a way, it's repetitious. But it's repetitious because he's putting emphasis to it. It's so important that you get this and that I get this today. That um, when I do what I do not want to do, it's because there's this battle going on in me and my old nature is winning out uh, and, uh, and taking power over my new nature. You remember when I talked about how uh, another way of describing this war that goes on inside of all believers is that there's a throne in your heart and that throne is occupied by someone all, all the time. It's either occupied by Jesus, which is, symbolizes your new nature, or it's occupied by your old nature. And whichever you yield to on a daily basis is the one that will control your thinking, control your actions, and control your life. And when Jesus is on the throne, then he gives you power to do the things that he wants you to do, but also the things that you want to do, the things that you know in your heart are good and right. But when your old nature is taking over, uh, then you find yourself doing the things that you don't want to do. In fact, he says, you do the very things that you hate. And so let's get verse 21. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at work with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin, which dwells in my members." And so he says he finds it a law. This is just a fact, uh, not like a law, like a, 
a law that's put into place by God or the legislator. Here he's using law as a fact. This is a principle, the way that it is. When I want to do right, uh, evil lies close at hand. And so uh, I can want to do right, but at the time that I'm planning to do good, in just an instant, I can do wrong. I can do wrong. And all of a sudden, I find myself doing what I don't want to do. There's a, he says, it's as though there's a, a war going on in my members. A war, uh, another law at war with the law of my mind, he says, making me captive to the law of sin in my members. And so a battle that goes on inside of you. And, you know, I wish that this were a battle that were won at the moment of our faith, but it's not. It's a battle that has to be won daily. And where does the answer come from? Uh, the answer comes from Jesus, of course. And let's look at uh, verse 24. And here we'll find the answer. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I of myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And so here, he, some people say that the Apostle Paul is talking about the way that he was before he became a believer in Jesus, but I just don't see that at all because I see this at work in the lives of many believers, good people who know Jesus and believe in him. Just because you become a believer doesn't mean that you're through with your old sinful nature. There's a daily battle for control in your life. And he says, the Apostle Paul looks inside of himself, he sees his sinful nature, and he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so he's saying, uh, I can't do this. I'm a sinner. There's no way that I can measure up to what God wants me to do and be who God wants me to be. Who is going to help me? And he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is in Jesus that you are, that you find the help that you need. Like my friend who said, Skip, I can't do this. He looked inside himself and he said, I can't live up to the law of God. There's no way I can be as good as God's calling me to be. And the Apostle Paul is bringing us to the same conclusion here when he says, wretched man that I am, but the answer is in Jesus Christ. Uh, turn to the Lord Jesus and ask him for the help. Say, Lord, I can't do it, but you can. This is one of the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is a program that's really just taken out of the very words here of Romans chapter 7. Step 1 in AA says, we admit that we are powerless over uh, over alcohol and that our lives have become unmanageable. And so they look inside themselves and say, uh, I can't take power over the alcohol in my life. It's controlling me. I'm out of control. But then they say, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves uh, can restore us to sanity. And so that's step two. And in step two, what they're saying is, step one, I can't do it. Step two is, Jesus can do it. A power greater than me can do it. And then in step three, it's I'm going to allow him to do it. Came to believe. Uh, I turned my life over to the will and care of God as, as I understand it. And so 
So this is the answer for you today. Uh, you cannot have power over the sin that's in control of your life. There is no way. If you're trying to fight it through your willpower, you're fighting a losing battle. But if you will turn to the Lord Jesus and allow him to come into you, he will take power over the sin in your life. He will free you from it. And he will not only free you from the sin, but he will make you into the person that God is calling you to be. And when you're, when you're filled with the Lord Jesus and freed from that sin that controls you, it's a freedom and a peace that nothing in this world is like. Being free from the control of sin in your life, knowing that you have other options in your life besides being